Monday, August 22nd here in Rock Box Studio in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. Back with me is Jared Small. And Jared, it's nice to have you back. We missed you last week when you were sick. Yeah, if I could pick when I was going to get COVID, it wouldn't be in mid-August. But, uh, <laughs> you know, luckily it was, it was pretty mild for me. We're over it now. Yeah. Is, is it better to be mid-August than early September, though? I don't really know. Yes, I'd rather have it preseason than regular season you know like uh, March March would have been ideal (laughs) right well when you're checking the boxes for sicknesses for next year make sure that you select that week instead of just leaving it up to chance I mentioned we are in Rock Fox recording studio recording and production of Rochester New York professional podcast voiceover and live stream studios and production services you can check them out at rocvox.com we love it here. We got the great sounding mics. We got comfy tables. I got a chair that supports me instead of the one that has been in my house uh, ever since I moved into it. So it's nice to come here twice a week, Jared. It's nice to see your face. Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> but now let's talk about things that aren't so nice. And it starts with the Washington backfield. Like we're two games into preseason now. Um, most teams have played. We still have at least one game on Monday night. But it's really time to start making decisions on what we're seeing And this Washington backfield really changed in the second preseason game off of things that seem to be shifting that way heading into it. Yeah, can I can I uh, get up and do like a victory lap around this studio for my my (laughs) Brian Robinson love? Um, Go for it. Yeah, I mean, it was a clearer changing of the guard here. I mean, you had Antonio Gibson take the opening kickoff back, and then Brian Robinson gets the start. Now, I mean, Gibson did mix in plenty with the first team. The snaps were 11 for Robinson, 8 for Gibson with Carson Wentz and the starters. But if you look at how it broke down, Gibson was basically playing in passing situations. So you have to wonder if that's going to be J.D. McKissick when he's active because he was held out of that game. So um, I think Gibson has to be the guy that comes off the board first in fantasy drafts at this point. Does he? I, I, I think so. Do you not? I don't. I just don't know that he has to. I, I can't argue with him being the first yeah. one, but I think it's gotten to the point where it's okay that if he's not. I mean, I think I, I go back to what Ron Rivera said way back, and he was comparing this backfield to the Panthers' backfield he had with Jonathan Williams and, and uh, or, sorry, Jonathan Stewart and DeAndre Williams. I still think that's what we're looking at here. Like, I don't think it's going to be all. Brian Robinson, you're going to have J.D. McKissick still working in passing situations, which obviously hurts the upside for all these guys. And I don't think Gibson's going away either. So, man, I'm I'm glad I got some Robinson late because he might get to the point now where he goes too early for me in fantasy drafts. I was in an underdog draft last night, and Robinson went in the eighth round. That That's starting to get a little pricey for me for a guy who's you know going to be likely in a three-man committee backfield on what's going to be probably a below-average offense. I took him in round 10 of a best ball draft on sleeper and felt good about that. Um, I also checked I, our, our pal fantasy mojo does a lot of posting of draft boards from FFPC drafts. And I looked at one that he posted yesterday from a football, a football guys players championship draft that started at 4 PM Sunday. And in that one, Antonio Gibson went in round six ahead of AJ Dillon, Chase Edmonds, Elijah Mitchell, Clyde Edwards, Elair, Miles Sanders, among other guys, Brian Robinson went in round 10. So that's just mm-hmm. one draft. And, you know, the very next draft could have been the opposite. We could have had Brian Robinson in round six and Gibson in round 10. But the point is, there's still people willing to bet on Gibson. I think at this point, if you're taking Gibson in round six, that's betting on him. I'm not betting on him. I think the one thing that I would feel strongest about is I don't need any pieces of this backfield. I'm okay to finish every draft with none of them at the prices they're going now. 
I, I can't. I, I, there's nowhere that I feel good about Gibson, though. I think until Robinson's off the board, and I'm not saying definitely take Brian Robinson first, but it's. I think for me to feel good about drafting Antonio Gibson, I will need to see Brian Robinson leave the board first. And it will have to be round ten for Gibson. I, yeah, I don't see how you can look at what's happened over the last three weeks and and not think Robinson should be the first guy off the board at this point. Um, it's funny, too. You listen to Ron Rivera talk about Gibson after that second preseason game, and he was talking about how they want to get in the ball in space this season, which is like, that's how you should have been using Antonio Gibson all along. I feel like they you know tried, they tried to make him this traditional running back between the tackles guy, and that's just not what he was coming out of Memphis. So maybe they have it right, finally, with, with Gibson. They can maximize, you know, the return they get with him. It's not ideal for fantasy if he's not going to be getting that many touches. But you know, maybe Washington finally got it right. You're going to have Robinson be the you know, primary between the tackles guy, and then Gibson more of the change of pace runner. And of course, it would be more attractive if they didn't have J.D. McKissick yes. because then it'd be like, okay, there's enough for both of them. Even if the offense isn't great, I'll take the goal line stuff for uh, Brian Robinson. I'll take the receiving stuff for Antonio Gibson. There's a spot for each of them, but I just don't know. If they don't want Antonio Gibson, you know, to be the primary guy near the goal line and they want J.D. McKissick to be the primary receiver, I just have no idea what the Gibson ceiling looks like at this point. Yeah, I'm not going to want to start any of these guys in a week one yeah. fantasy lineup. Um, you know, we'll see how it plays out, you know, as we had, had you know, beyond week one. The other thing, too, is, all, you know, both of these guys are one injury away to the other one or McKissick from you know, being a, an obvious fantasy mm-hmm. starter. So, you know, that that's kind of the upside case yeah. for these guys. And that makes them I think both worth considering where they're going as long yeah. as it's not too early for either guy. I think any time from round 8 on is okay. That's late enough where you can make a case for either one and say that you're not really yeah. um, you know, taking too big a risk to have that guy on your team. So, yeah. whoever your favorite is right now, I won't argue strongly. I'm not advocating for Antonio Gibson at this point. And Jared, you mentioned week one. We're getting closer to that. And it's going to be interesting to look at these guys and everybody else as we're getting to those like week by week stat projections. That, of course, is also this year going to feed into, you know, our prop bets. And one place that we're going to be playing that is on the Sleeper app this year. If you have a league on Sleeper, you can access their over-under game right from your league. It pops up for you. It's asking you to play, and you should do it because it's easy to play. You win money. You can challenge your friends. You can piggyback off each other's bets. It doesn't have to be adversarial. You can say, hey, guys, (laughs) I really think that this guy is going to go over this yardage prop this week, so come with me. We'll all make money, and then at the end, we'll look back and realize that I made um, more good bets than you did. So if you want to play that, Head to sleeper.com slash draft sharks. Now you can see it on your screen. Make your first deposit. They will match it up to 100 bucks. Sleeper.com slash draft sharks. Get ready for that over under game in season. Just, just another contest I can I can beat you at. <laughs> yeah, Looking we shall see. <laughs> we'll be competing all year. You'll be able to compete along with us. So jump in and play. Let's move to another backfield now, though, Jared. In Houston, I'm not sure how much competition there is anymore because Damian Pierce didn't even play in the second preseason game. Yeah, when you have a rookie held out of a preseason game and then you have veterans, Marlon Mack and Rex Burkhead playing, like that's pretty clear to me. And and we, you know, we did a confirmation. It it was no injury for Damian Pierce. Um, You know, Lovey Smith basically said, we saw what we needed to see from this guy in that preseason opener, man, Pierce looked awesome in that, like his first carry, it was like, whoa, you know, you <laughs> can just tell like he, he belongs on an NFL field. He Pierce had the highest PFF rushing grade of any running back that got a carry in that, that first week of the preseason. So he looks like the guy he's obviously, he's at this point, the only Texans running back that I think should be drafted. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't want to go overboard on him because, you know, this is another right. below average offense. I'm, I still worry that Rex Burkhead is going to be the passing down back, which would hurt. Now, Pierce can do that. Mm-hmm. You know, he can catch the ball. He did it at Florida. Um, and if he gets that role, then, then we're talking. But if he's an early down guy on a, you know, bad offense, not getting pass catching stuff, you know, then, then it, it's going to be tough to, to trust him in weekly lineups. Yeah. Lovey Smith said just this weekend, I think it was each of these guys has their strengths. So, you know, maybe that was coach speak, trying not to be negative about other people. But, I, you know, I, I think that other guys are going to play. I don't think they're going to overload touches for Damian Pierce because he wasn't a workhorse back at Florida. But this is also like you mentioned the PFF grade. He was also the top graded running back in the nation, I believe, yeah. according to PFF last year in college. So this is not out of nowhere. It's a guy who has put some good stuff down, probably would have been higher regarded if he had gotten more touches in college, you know. We don't really know at this point how much of that was poor coaching or what he is able to handle. But yeah, as long as we're not going overboard, I Damian Pierce is the Houston back to draft. And at least right now, Jared, it doesn't seem like people are going crazy. I just looked at updated ADPs. He's right around RB 33, 34 on both underdog and an FFPC drafting. You can find the FFPC ADP on DraftSharks.com uh, and you can find trends on DraftSharks.com so you can see where he moves from. So, you know... Pierce started out in the 40s, so if you got him there, awesome. I don't think going from mid-40s to mid-30s or even early 30s is too big a change to chase a guy. I think it's if he starts getting to like RB 26, 24, maybe that's a little too much. Yeah, I think RB 33 is fair. I think that's a price he can pay off even if he's not getting most of that pass-catching stuff. And again, there's profit potential if he does take over that role, and I think he might. I mean, Mm -hmm. Rex Burkhead's, what, 38 years old at this point? (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) I'm not sure that Rex Burkhead has a human age. I think he's just going to be in the NFL until he's not. Um, Speaking of Rex Burkhead, the team that he started out with, or he didn't start out with, he kind of broke through with the Patriots. He He started out as the Bengal, I believe. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So we're talking about the Patriots next. It doesn't involve Rex Burkhead. That's just an awkward segue. And Jared, I I guess I want to know where you're starting out with this Patriots backfield, because you made this list of players for our rundown. (laughs) I mean, at this point, it's clear who their top, three are it's Damian Harris Ramondre Stevenson which we all assume and it's Ty Montgomery as the third guy all three of those guys sat out the first preseason game you know they all kind of got the you know veteran treatment um and then in preseason week two they what they did is they rotated series so it was Damian Harris got the first series all to himself Ramondre Stevenson got the second series all to himself Ty Montgomery got the third series all to himself I don't think that's how it's going to work in the regular season and if you you know read the practice reports out of New England it's Montgomery, the passing down back, which is what you'd expect. He's been getting the passing down work with the first team. Ramondre Stevenson's been getting it with the second team. So it seems like Stevenson's kind of the backup plan in that role. But I think, as usual, you know, it's going to be a three-man backfield here with Harris and Stevenson splitting most of the early down stuff, Ty Montgomery playing in passing situations. My two big takeaways here is I think Ramondre Stevenson is getting far too much attention in fantasy drafts. And, you know, it's not crazy level. But he is well ahead of Damian Harris in ADP. RB27 versus RB38 in FFPC drafting. So that that's a large gap between Stevenson and Damian Harris. And you just mentioned Harris was the first one in that game. So maybe Stevenson is the bigger talent. Maybe he does more receiving stuff than Damian Harris in season. But as far as we know right now, Damian Harris is still the first running back in. And it's not like he stunk yeah. last year. Right. We're not talking about a bad running back being replaced by a guy who's just a year behind him. So, you know, we're waiting for the progression. We're talking about a guy who's been productive. There's no reason to believe that Stevenson is shoving Damian Harris aside and taking over this backfield. My other takeaway is 
I never would have guessed that Ty Montgomery was going to be in for this big role. It's not now that I know it in hindsight, it shouldn't yeah. be shocking because it's not like Pierre Strong is, you know, magical. And Ty Montgomery has had productive points in his career. It's been a little bit, but he was a good running back at one point for Green Bay. And I guess as a role guy, it's not hard to envision him having some value. The Pierre Strong thing was always a bit strange. And I'm a little, you know, embarrassed that I fell for it a little. Not that I was like all over the guy, but I, I did draft him in a few drafts near the end. It, he's a fourth round rookie. He didn't have massive college receiving production. Like he was okay in that department. But that was always strange that we sort of thought he was going to be in this role. Montgomery's like the type of back you just think Bill Pe- Bill Belichick would love, like versatile, smart. Um, so that that kind of makes sense to me. Now, going back to Harris and Stevenson, I, I, I think Harris is going to be the better week one fantasy play. The Mark and Stevenson's favorite to me is the ultimate ceiling where if something happens to Montgomery, then you have Stevenson, you know, getting maybe half the carries alongside Harris and doing the passing catch stuff. I, I don't think Harris has the upside to get that type of role. So I do think Stevenson is the guy who ultimately could could be the best guy here. But again, you know, just talking baseline projection, I think Harris is going to be the better option out of the gate. And just to me, people are drafting it as though Stevenson is I don't want to say the guy because they're both going in that mid range still, but they're like, oh, Stevenson's the best running back in New England, and there's also Damian Harris, and I, that's just not the right way to yeah. treat it. Damian Harris entered the league as a three down back as well. I mean, you know, who knows exactly what New England thinks of him in that role, but that's what he was at Alabama, and he certainly came in saying, hey, he can catch some passes. So we'll see. Yeah. As far as Pierre Strong, I still think that he's somebody worth stashing like late in like a tournament draft where you're starting to beat a large field or like a very deep draft because. Ty Montgomery, you know, for the positive things we said about him, he has had several years of not a whole lot, and he's got quite a bit of injury history behind him. So it's it's quite possible he doesn't deliver this season, and then Pierre Strong does come on. Yeah, again, I just think that would be Stevenson as kind of the next. I think Strong might need, you know, Stevenson and Montgomery to go down to really play a role this year. It sounds like Strong hasn't had a good camp. He's been hurt some of the time and just hasn't really done much when he's been on the field. I would say the one thing you absolutely need to make sure of is that you don't head into the season sure that you know how the Patriots backfield is going to work out. We have all been burned by that at some point in the past. So as long as you don't feel like you have got it 100% figured out, then you're okay. Yes. The Chiefs backfield, Jared, do we have that 100% figured out yet? Maybe. I mean, it looks like another three-man committee, which obviously sucks. If it wasn't Kansas City, I'd be fine just staying away from it. But so... You know, for the second straight preseason game, we had Clyde edwards alaire Isaiah Pacheco, and Jarek McKinnon working with Patrick Mahomes and the Stars. If you if you look, watch the game and see how it operated in the second week, um, it was edwards alaire as the early down guy in the first series, and McKinnon was coming in on the obvious passing downs. And then in the second series, it was Pacheco as the early down guy primarily, and you know McKinnon again playing and passing down. So that you know might be what we're looking at at least to start the regular season. Um, Still think Edwards Lair is the best bet here, but if he's not getting that passing down work, that that's a, a big problem. If he were going 20th at running back, I'd be worried. He's going he's going in the same range as Stevenson. And I think that he's a good example of why not to draft Ramondre Stevenson. Because if I can get, and you know, I'm not saying I am getting, but if I can get the number one running back for the Chiefs or the 1B for the Patriots, yeah. very easily taking the maybe number one running back for the Chiefs. And I read uh, Jared Smola's breakdown of the usage from week two preseason games on DraftSharks.com, which you should as well because it's a free article and it's like a very easy to read recap yeah. of how all these guys played. 
And when I, I read that before actually checking the game book and saw more snaps with Patrick Mahomes for Pacheco, mm-hmm. and I was like, uh-oh. And then I looked at how it happened, and yep. it was CEH in first, then Pacheco in, and CEH just didn't come back. And I was like, okay, good. Yep. That sounds like more like what I was expecting it to be. Yeah, so I th- I think to open the season, you're going to have CEH as like the starter and the lead back and McKinnon in passing situations. But Pacheco, you know, might mix in a little bit on early downs and in passing situations. It's more like the backup to Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Um, again, it's messy. It's a... All three of these guys, again, are also one injury away from this becoming a two-man committee, and then it's a you know, much more interesting situation for fantasy, especially because it's the Chiefs' offense. It's the Washington backfield, except <laughs> McKinnon is not as good as McKissick, and I'm going to stick with that. Yep. Um, Pacheco is not as accomplished as Antonio Gibson and, prow- and you know wasn't drafted as early as Brian Robinson either. So yep. I still, among all of these guys, I'm most interested in Clyde Edwards Elaire. And when I say all these guys, I mean the Kansas City and Washington backfields. I'm most interested in Clyde Edwards Elaire. I'm most interested in getting Chiefs running back, whoever that ends up being. And that's something I want to invest in. And then Pacheco, I'm definitely still interested in. As long as he doesn't push too early, he will at times. But if he's anywhere from around 11 on, I'm okay with that, depending on what else is on the board. And I say round 11 specifically, because yeah. I was in a draft last night in non PPR and I got to round 11 and he was among the guys that I was considering. I was like, yeah, this is late enough. I'll take him. I did not have CEH on that team, so it's not handcuffing him to CEH, but it was a Chiefs running back bet. Yeah, yeah round 11 is fine for Pacheco. I've seen some boards with him coming <laughs> off like round six or seven, which yep. is crazy to me. Yeah, too um, And then we should at least bring up Ronald Jones. I don't think he's going to be a Chief. Bring him up to mention he's, uh, he's, he's not, not going to He's going to he's going to be somewhere. You know, he's either going to get caught and he'll get signed, or he's going to get traded if one of these you know backfield suffers an injury. Um, but I don't think Jones is, is going to be a chief come week one. Yeah, he's going to suck somewhere. So I guess we'll <laughs> see where he decides to suck this season. Uh, elsewhere on the Chiefs, before we move to different situations, let's stick with the Chiefs because we've got one of the receivers from the team on this list as well, Jared. Sky Moore, probably not the best preseason for anybody who headed into summer excited about Sky Moore year one. Right, so we had Juju Smith-Schuster and McCole Hardman not play in this game. They're both dealing with with minor injuries. Um, and it was Marcus Valdez-Scantling and Justin Watson playing ahead of Sky Moore with Patrick Mahomes in the first team. So maybe Watson's someone we should start to, you know, yeah. take a shot on at the very end of these, you know, tournament drafts, underdog or FFPC best ball tournament drafts. Um, By the way, Justin Watson, one of those guys that he, I think he was an undrafted free agent, but he was one of those like pen out of pen. Yeah. He was one of those testing yes. um, gods. You know, he tested yep. great at the pro day and I believe he was productive at pen as well. Like a, a good yes. market shares guy at that point. So doesn't not, not completely out of nowhere. Yeah, I still have him stashed on some dynasty rosters, so you know, we'll see how that goes. Um, but, I mean, to me, it's clear that Juju and MVS are the clear top two here, and it's probably going to be McCole Hardman opening the season as the third guy, assuming he's healthy. Now, I, you know, there's time for Sky Moore to make up ground, even if we're talking in the regular season. He's a fine stash, right. um, but I don't think Sky Moore is someone that you're going to be able to use in week one fantasy line. It's probably not even in the month of September. Um and you know, to me, I know you've been the MVS guy all along. He, he's, do I get to do he's my climbing, lap now yeah, after your he's, yeah, he's, he's climbing my <laughs> rankings a bit because I think he's locked in as one of the top two wide yeah. receivers in a Mahomes offense. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is I don't know exactly how this is going to look, but it seemed as though we were moving toward MVS being in that mix. He was going way after Juju. He's still going well after Juju, and I've always been taking him over Sky Moore. I love Sky Moore long term. But it's a big ask for him to go from where he was in college to immediately being a top three receiver for the Chiefs. And, you know, maybe he winds up being that. But they also, even though we 
um, emotionally need him to be that. The Chiefs don't need him to be that for him to pay off as a late second round pick. And let's keep that in mind. We were all excited, thought he might sneak into round one. He went late in round two. The Chiefs passed on other opportunities to take a wide receiver. And this guy went after players such as Wandale Robinson and Alec Pierce. Yeah, I think they have a plan for him this season. Like, I think he's going to get on the field even week one. But, you know, again, not enough to be a reliable fantasy play. And, he, you know, the Chiefs definitely might view Sky Moore as more of a, you know, 2023 guy for them. Yeah, I mean, Nicole Hardman, I'm not a Nicole Hardman fan, but he should probably be going ahead of Sky Moore in drafts right now. I don't know if I'd go that far. He's going to be the better early season fantasy play if you have to, you know, use one of those guys. But I, I could still see more passing up Hardman by the end of the season. It certainly could happen. I will we'll see where those guys go because, of course, Hardman's got the groin injury now. I, I probably wouldn't be touching either of them yeah. until, like, round 15 plus. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, MVS should definitely be going ahead of Sky Moore at this point in all yes. drafts. Um, now let's head to Jacksonville where Christian Kirk we finally got to look at. Yeah, and it was it was really nice, um, very encouraging usage. You know, he operated is the clear number one for this Jags team. Kirk missed the first preseason game with a minor injury. Then he played in this one, ran around ninety two percent of Trevor Lawrence's dropbacks, eight targets um, for Christian Kirk, a thirty eight percent target share. Looked good, had some deep stuff, had some shorter stuff. Uh, they put him in motion a few times. He played both out wide and in the slot, so he just looked like the receiver that got that big contract mm-hmm. from Jacksonville on like the first day of free agency. So I, I think Kirk is still undervalued. He's still, you know, I think outside the top 40 wide receivers in ADP. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's check um, underdog we, right now. Yeah. We bumped him even further up our rankings after that preseason debut. He's now in the mid thirties for us. And that's why you should have been drafting him all along. Not because Christian Kirk is awesome, but because Christian Kirk was yep. wide receiver 41, as you said, on underdog ADP right now. And he could be getting as much as 30% target share. I wouldn't bet on that happening in the season. But if he gets 22% from wide receiver 41, that's good enough. And there's certainly upside well beyond that. And the Jags offense looks functional. Trevor Lawrence (laughs) looks good. Um, I'm still definitely buying into that offense. Yeah. So, yeah, nice to see that from Christian Kirk. Been drafting him. We'll continue drafting him. Certainly continue stacking him with Trevor Lawrence as we have been. Traylon Burks not going quite as well, Jared. Is it time to worry on him? Yeah, I'm worried. Too bad um, we don't have our pal Mike Schopen here because yeah. he would still be the, I'm not worried. Yeah. Well, I mean, that maybe that's the right, you know, attitude to have. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just it hasn't been good in the preseason. And it's, it's you know, it's been the usage right. to, for, to, for starters. You know, they used a five-man wide receiver rotation with the first team offense in this second preseason game and you know Burks was just in the mix he wasn't the clear you know top guy even the clear second guy in that wide receiver rotation the other thing to me and this is more you know narrative tape stuff but he doesn't look great to me out there he looks kind of sluggish right um and the, the, the pff grades back that up burks 232nd among 261 wide receivers that have seen a target so far this preseason in pff receiving grade he has just one catch on 38 pass routes and he's just not getting it done even when he is on the field so kind of like sky Moore for me at this point like there's upside later in the season for this talented you know, first round pick in Burks's case, but he isn't, he is not going to be someone that you can use in fantasy lineups for, you know, the, for the month of September, at least. I am more interested though, in stashing Traylon Burks than I am sky Moore because Tennessee, unlike we just said with KC, Tennessee does need Traylon Burks to come along. It doesn't mean that they have to play him in year one a lot, even if he stinks in workouts, but they more so than the Chiefs, I would imagine, are going to be watching for reasons to play him because, you know, you can say what you want about uh, Nick 
Westbrook, Akeen, and I have to remember what his name is every time I bring him up, and Racy McMath, and you know Des Fitzpatrick. Like th- those guys, their ultimate ceilings are nowhere close yeah. to Traylon Burks, and that's why Tennessee drafted him in round one after trading uh, AJ Brown for that pick. So they are just waiting for him to prove that he belongs in the lineup. And then he's going to be in there because they need him. Kansas City can wait as long as it takes for Sky Moore to be ready because they also imported Juju. They also imported MVS. They apparently like Justin Watson. They still have Nicole Hardman. They still have Travis Kelsey. They still have their running back. So to me, Traylon Burks, although it is time to worry, and I think I would not draft him the same place now as I was two weeks ago, if he's dropping to round 13, 12, uh, I'll go ahead and scoop there. And then if we're three weeks into the season and we're still hearing bad stuff and it doesn't sound like he's anywhere close, you drop him for something that helps you. Has your dynasty outlook changed on Burks at all? I mean, I wasn't the highest on Burks to begin with. He was, I was kind of like, yeah, he could be really good or maybe it's for real that he's the sixth wide receiver, whatever he was in round one. So I, I mean, I, I, I think I'm still in the same place there. I think the book on him was that he was going to need time to develop. Yeah. So yeah. what you need to tell yourself if you are coming down from being excited is actually this matches with what they said about him. Yeah, I feel like my dynasty take on him shouldn't have changed at this point, but it has a little. I, I got to say, I did a I was in a rookie uh, draft that it's a slow draft still going on, actually. But um, I had like the, the fifth pick and I took Garrett Wilson over Traylon Burks, whereas, you know, uh, even post draft, I had Burks ahead of Wilson. Same same tier. You know, it was just mm-hmm. a little flip flop. But, you know, I just uh, I guess the vibes for me right. said said to take Garrett Wilson over Traylon Burks. I think it's OK to do that because I mean, I think those guys were close to begin with. And you, yeah. Garrett Wilson went in the top 10. So yes. maybe Wilson should have been ahead of Burks anyway. And perhaps it's a correction now. I think if you're taking. Sky Moore. Well, I don't remember where we had Sky Moore rated versus Burks. He was behind Burks. Okay, yeah. so I wouldn't take Sky Moore yeah. over Traylon Burks because I think either. the ultimate ceiling for Burks is still higher. George Pickens is probably a difficult <laughs> decision for people, and I, I think I would still take Traylon Burks over George Pickens. But I, you know, I'm not sure at the moment if I were doing a rookie draft right now and face that specific decision. Pickens win ahead of Burks in that rookie draft I'm in right now. I, I wouldn't do that yet. Uh-huh. But I think, like, to me, Pickens has joined that tier with, you know, uh, Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks, Jameson Williams. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, Pickens is in that tier for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, maybe that's a correction because George Pickens probably would have been yes. a first round pick if he'd had this healthy three year run in college. So yeah. that might not necessarily be an overreaction. Maybe it's a, a proper reaction. Yeah, I agree. Uh, one more wide receiver before we hit tight ends, and it's Isaiah McKenzie. And really, this was just confirmation of what's been, you know, the drumbeat all throughout summer, right? Yep. So Josh Allen played six snaps in that second preseason <laughs> game. That's all it took him to drive like 75 yards and, and and score a touchdown. But Steph Diggs and Gabe Davis were in for all six. So I guess if you need a confirmation on Gabe Davis, that's it there for you, too, that he's mm-hmm. going to be pretty much an every down player. And then Isaiah McKenzie played five of the six snaps, you know, every time the Bills went with three wide receivers, it was McKenzie on the field. So he is this team's number three wide receiver and Jamison Crowder is, is, is McKenzie's backup at this point. I love when people say everybody's down on Gabe Davis and then they give the reasons why you should bet on the ceiling. It's like the dude is a wide receiver 21 and yeah. <laughs> underdog fantasy. Yeah. People are giving the negative Gabe Davis case. That's because drafters are not down on Gabe Davis. They're high on him. I, you know, I just, every time I see stuff like that, I'm like, guys, get out of the Twitter bubble today and, and just do something different. Even if it's yeah. still fantasy, just get off of Twitter. For There's it. nothing left to be said about Gabe Davis. It's time <laughs> to just start the season and see how it plays out. I thought about uh, tweeting that very thing. Like if you're just getting into fantasy now and you're on Twitter, sorry, all the Gabe Davis takes have been claimed. (laughs) 
All right, so let's move on to tight ends to wrap this thing up. And we got Pat Fryermuth up first, Jared. What you got on him? I want to talk this one out with you. Are, are we too low on Fryermuth? Because the guy possibly. had what was it? It was like the was it the third most fantasy points per game by a rookie tight end over the past ten years? Like he had an awesome rookie season. And, you know, he was a good prospect. I think I've mentioned the fact that, you know, if he wasn't in the same class as Kyle Pitts, we probably would have been a lot more excited about Frymuth as a prospect coming in. Um, then you have the second preseason game. Usage, awesome. Pass route on 15 of 18 pass plays, 83% route rate. That's, you know, tight end one level. Uh, Frymuth caught both of his targets for 35 yards. One of them was like a, you know, deeper shot down the seam that went for, for 24, I think. Mm-hmm. Um and man, Pittsburgh's quarterbacks look kind of good. Like everything we've heard out of camp has been like these guys. Yeah. Anticipated. Like and Trubisky's looked okay too. So maybe it's not as bad as the Pittsburgh media was making it sound like in camp. Or maybe they've just improved. You know, Pickett's mm-hmm. a rookie. He should he should be improving. So I I just you know I I'm worried that we're too low on Fryermuth just because you know numbers wise it's tough to make it work out when we don't love this passing game and you have these three wide receivers that are going to command a lot of volume, but you know, it's so tightly bunched right. in that, you know, tier of tight ends. Frymuth maybe should be higher in that tier than, than we have him right now. Yeah. I was just looking at our PPR projections right now and you know, we've mentioned it before, but the, from number 11 down to number 20, there are eight total PPR points um, separating all of those guys. Yeah. I would absolutely move Frymuth up from where he is. I think I would put him at 11 in those projections right now. So what about you looking at so those that, guys? I got to pull up the rankings. Is that, is that ahead of, of your boy Evan Ingram? It is. And I would say the reason that I would do that, even though I personally have Evan Ingram projected higher, is you can draft yes. both of them, and yep. Evan Ingram is going rounds and rounds later. So, I mean, it might ultimately be the case that I pass on Fryermuth where he goes, but I would go if I'm deciding between those two guys, I would go ahead and take Fryermuth. Yeah, and, and guys like Fryermuth, I think – like our baseline projections matter less because there's more room for him to outperform what we're projecting him for, right? right? As, as a young player, like maybe he's ready to take this. Even Evan Ingram, I, I love the guy, but like he's been in the NFL now. Like he's he's not going to become a top five talent in the NFL where he's not. Maybe not top five <laughs> talent. Top top ten talent. But I mean, you know, you know, Fryermuth, ha- we could be talking about Fryermuth as a top five tight end in the NFL maybe. at this time next year. So I think there's more room for him to beat the projections we have. I mean, I can I can certainly go along with that, but yeah, I, I like both of those guys. I do think that we're too low on Fryermuth. So there you go. You got behind the curtain on that one. You you should expect to see Pat <laughs> yes. Fryermuth higher in the rankings by the time you're checking this and listening to this podcast. For sure. All right, next tight end on the list is Albert Oakwake Boonham. What do we got here? I mean, he's ju- so the Broncos have been sitting all their like obvious starters: Russell Wilson, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy. Albert O has been playing. Deep and he played into the fourth quarter in that preseason game against the Bills over the weekend. So, and you know, Nathaniel Hackett said afterwards he needs to see you know more reps that you know he needs that experience, which makes sense. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. he's a he's a young guy. He missed well half of his rookie season with a torn ACL. But what's worrisome here is we haven't seen Greg Dulcich yet. He's been out with the hamstring. So you know, even with Dulcich out, okay, Boonham's preseason usage has been a bit shaky. So um, yeah, I still see the upside with Alberto. But you know he, he's another guy I don't want to be trusting him as my tight end one to open the season. This is one where I would not alter my outlook for Albert O because of that playing time. Because as you mentioned, the, the coach has said he's young. We need to yep. see the reps, and it's true. So maybe that's just the case. It, it Maybe it's a good thing that they're not saying, oh, he 
we we've seen enough on the practice field because he does need to prove it. Maybe it's a bad thing though. You know, there are other guys who don't seem entirely proven who are not getting nearly so many reps in preseason games. Ultimately, I have not been high on Albert O relative to his price anyway. So I'm just kind of leaving him where he is. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that I'm going to take him in any actual live drafts. He's like somebody that I don't want to be totally out on, on best ball rosters where I'm collecting some, but in a, on a team where I'm going to have to decide who to start at tight end every week, I probably will not end up on Albert with Albert O on any of them. Yeah. I'm with you there. Um, I don't want to be totally out because of the upside just with this offense in general. And of course, Tim Patrick's injury leaves Mm -hmm. a lot. Uh, up for grabs there, so there is room for both these tight ends. I want to see Dalsich Dal- get get healthy. I keep right. you know remembering Mike Kliss telling us that you know Dalsich could become the guy in this mm-hmm. tight end room you know throughout the season. So. I think it's ultimately going to be just a like a spread it around yeah. passing game. I don't yep. think anybody's going to be a weekly guy to bet on. There's just so many tight ends there. I yep. mean, you could say that there's upside to Albert O in the system, but. I mean, David Njoku is right near him and generally going after him in ADP, and that's that's yeah. easily Njoku for me. I don't care if Josh Dobbs is his quarterback <laughs> for four weeks in the middle of the season. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Um, last guy on our list is Denver's former tight end, Noah Fant. Now, I'm, I'm kind of with you, and we haven't really moved Albert O in our rankings, um, so not super worried about his preseason usage. Noah Fant, I am worried about. Yeah. Um, so go back to week one. You had DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett held, held out of that game. Will Disley was held out of that game. Noah Fant played 20 snaps. He also was basically splitting pass routes with Colby Parkinson. Um, Fant ran her out on 11 of 18 pass plays. Parkinson, 7 of 18. And then this past week, Fant plays the entire first half with Geno Smith, again, with uh, Metcalf and Lockett. Or they, they played like three snaps. They played the first series. But mm-hmm. Fant stayed in the game for the entire first half. And that was after they announced that Lockett and Metcalf were not going to play in the game. And then it was like, oh, there they are on the sure, field. Sure, give them three snaps. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so not only did Fant play more than you'd kind of like to see, but he, like, once again, only ran her out on half of okay. the pass plays. It was 10 for Fant, 5 for Disley, 6 for Parkinson. So it looks like we're looking at like a tight end bike, which is crazy. Yes. Like Noah Fant is a big time talent, part of the Russell Wilson trade, but I don't think they're going to use him in a way that's going to make him someone that we can count on in fantasy lineups, especially in a bad offense like this. And the other two factors here are they just re-signed Will Disley yes. for a ton of money, like an amount of money that surprised Will Disley <laughs> this offseason. I read that. He was expecting to go somewhere else, and all of a sudden it was like, oh, they're going to pay you here in Seattle. It's like, wow, really? So there's that. And then we have to keep in mind Seattle's coached stupidly. I mean, that that's why Russell Wilson never maximized production-wise what he got there. It's why... We're worried about DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett at this point. It's just a stupidly coached team. So we should expect Noah Fant to be misused here. And I'm I'm just not interested at this point. Yeah, he's kind of off. He was one of those, you know, later on tight ends, I'd consider. He's kind of, he's down there with like Hayden Hurst for me at this point. Right. Yeah. If I need a third tight end and Noah Fant is still there, I'm like, okay, I'll take Noah Fant as opposed to, oh, Noah Fant's still there. Which is sad we're here because like, you know, he... Is an awesome prospect. He's flash, but I, I don't know. He might be wasting away here in Seattle for the next few years. Colby Parkinson's name should not have come up on <laughs> no. any August show. <laughs> I mean, that just that shouldn't happen. So yeah. that's that that shows you how they're running things in Seattle right now. Hey, he's not on our list, but should we talk about Isaiah Likely real quick? Yeah, sure. I mean, any, I mean, a hundred yards and a touchdown in one half. I don't care <laughs> if it's against backups and oh, without yeah. Lamar. Like that's impressive. He looks ready to make an impact. He mm-hmm. was a nice looking prospect. They were. Questions, obviously, he didn't test well. He you know, came from Coastal mm-hmm. Carolina, but looks ready to make an impact. Now, it's so rare for two tight ends on the same team to be fantasy factors, and obviously Mark Andrews is the clear guy in Baltimore, but 
there's nothing behind Rashad Bateman at wide receiver. So I think, you know, likely he, he's someone I'm going to start taking at least in FFPC drafts at the end just to you know see what happens. Yeah, I think he's fine as a see what happens. But Nick Boyle is also there in Baltimore. So he's now blocker, we're talking. Though. Yeah, but now we're talking about a third tight end yeah. even getting on the field. And that's the I mean, that's where this matters is. Yeah. If he gets on the field, can he produce? Sure, but I'm, how is he going to get on the field? I'm just not sure. Yeah. So, you know, end of draft, see what happens, fine, because you can always dra- drop that guy in the first few weeks. But I think this is ultimately going to be a situation that's getting more buzz now than it gives relevance during the season. Oh, de- definitely moving up the dynasty rankings likely is. Charlie um, Kohler has not had a chance to counter this, by the way. He had... Yeah hernia surgery at the beginning of training camp and hasn't practiced at all. It sounds like he might be a candidate for um, IR, but he tested better. He was also a very productive tight end in college. So, I mean, this is just going to be a crowded situation going forward. So I'm not saying Isaiah likely is definitely going to be a thing. I'm not out on him, but I want to pump the brakes a little bit now that we're starting now that we collectively drafting community are starting to get excited 100 yards and one half of action for a tight end <laughs> i mean there has been <laughs> cola yeah, ain't doing he's that good yeah, yeah. listen i was disappointed that baltimore drafted yeah, both of these guys so i was like oh charlie cola oh isaiah likely they're on the same team and Behind it already mark has andrews. mark andrews yeah. what a waste yeah. put them give them i don't know put them somewhere else there's so many other situations where they could produce i'm disappointed yeah. that they're both ravens and i you know I'm interested in both players, but I think ultimately, unless something big changes in Baltimore, neither of them is going to really give us a whole lot, even long term. You know, like Dynasty, you stash them because we never know what's going to happen. Guys moving on, Mark Andrews moving on. um, But, you know, it's it's tough for me to get excited about impact soon on our fantasy lineups. Yeah, I think likely still probably needs a Mark Andrews injury to be a fantasy factor this season. But again, I think especially in FFPC or tight end, uh, any other tight end premium league, um, you could you know do worse as a, as a final pick. I would still take Noah Fant over Isaiah likely, though. <laughs> Me too. All right. I was worried you hesitated there for a second. <laughs> Felt like Olaf. You hesitated. That's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. We will be back your way from here in Rock Fox Studio on Wednesday. And we've got a whole bunch of live draft streams coming at you this week. That starts with Tuesday night's main event draft for the FFPC, in which our boy Kevin English will be drafting. So check that out. Subscribe to the Draft Sharks YouTube channel. You will get notified every time we go live. And you can find every podcast on DraftSharks.com. All the other channels where you like to get your podcast. There's going to be lots of content pumping through there over these next few weeks as we're all drafting our last teams before the season starts. And if you haven't drafted your teams yet, you got to become a DS insider. You got to take advantage of all the stuff on there. The rankings pages that we just talked about, they give you all the information you could want to get from them. You can use our ADP pages, the injury guide. Jared, it's, uh, it's too much to try to squeeze in here at the end. You just got to go check it out and we'll even give you a free look at it if you want to see what's there. Yeah, I think we've already had like 20 guys move in the rankings just uh, over this past weekend from the preseason game. So, again, you're, you're not going to find more updated rankings. Anywhere. We had one guy move during this show that you're listening to. <laughs> he now hasn't moved probably yet, but more. by the time you're listening, he will, <laughs> yeah. Brian Muth will have moved. As you listen, he's going to be in a different <laughs> spot. You'll be like, what are you guys talking about? Because we're going to be busy moving other guys at that point. For Jared Small and the entire Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for swimming with us. Yeah.